0: This is Behind the Brush by St. Jack.
1: You know, I'm 27, so we're progressing in our age and it's a time to really surround ourselves with people that are like-minded. Um, and we're at an age where it's the time to progress our career. We don't have, well I don't at the moment have any kids or a family, like it's me and my partner, and we're both on the same page in regards to, now is the time to do everything that we can to push our careers as far as they can possibly go. Hello
0: and welcome back to Behind the Brush. It's me, it's Beth, your host, makeup artist and founder of St. Jack Cosmetics. How are ya? Little life update for everyone, not that anyone asked. (laughs) Before I bring in today's guest, uh, you might have seen on the St. Jack Instagram the other day that I have recently moved all of the Jack stuff out of my co-working space and into the spare room at my parents' house. More precisely, I've actually moved all of the stock and the packing stuff into a spare (laughs) wardrobe. (laughs) So now I guess I'm like a wardrobe brand. No, I'm kidding. I am super fortunate that they had a little bit of extra room and I could put everything in there. But the reason for this move is the exciting part, not the fact that I'm now working out of a wardrobe. (laughs) I wanted to save a little bit of money because I have officially gone into the first phase of the second St. Jack product. Yes. So the first phase of creating any product from scratch is what we call R&D or research and development. And so I've got a little chemist working in a literal lab making me up my first sample of the second product as we speak. Now they're actually based in Sydney, and I'm flying to Sydney the day after this episode goes live. And I am hoping that I will get to have the first sample in my hand, which is so amazing and so exciting because this is something that I wanted to do last year, but Obviously, first time brand owner, a little bit naive about how quickly these things can happen. (laughs) Now, when it comes to creating a product from scratch, I should know, I've done it before with the makeup cleaning mist. It is incredibly difficult, incredibly expensive, and it takes a really, really long time. But the journey and the process of it all, I find personally fascinating. I think it's really interesting and all the different components that have to come together. And so I think when brands make new products, there can be a lot of secrecy and a lot of red tape. So I thought it would be cool if I bring you guys along with me so that you can see what it actually takes to create something out of nothing. So it is going to take months, possibly longer. I don't know, but I'm going to document the whole thing on a little mini series on my TikTok. So I'm not going to tell you what the product is just yet, but if you would like to follow along with the journey of the whole thing, my TikTok handle is at St. Jack Cosmetics. Now on today's show, I am very excited to welcome Adele Petropoulos, otherwise known as AP Artistry on Instagram. Adele is a 27-year-old makeup artist. She's from Melbourne, just like me, and she has achieved so much in such a short amount of time. She is a freelance makeup artist. She got her start, like a lot of us, doing makeup on her friends and her family and anyone she could get her hands on straight out of high school. She went down the kind of conventional road, I guess, of going straight into uni from high school. She studied literature and criminology. And then towards the end of that degree, she was like, oi, I don't know if this is really what I want to be doing. So she ended up studying makeup before she landed a casual job at Napoleon, which ended up being a four-year stint with the brand. Uh, And that's where she discovered her passion, for Education. Today, she has moved on from Napoleon and she is actually working with the incredible company Foreo, which, as you know, make those lit-up beauty devices, skincare devices, and she is an education partner with them while also still doing event clients, bridal clients on the side. She is a very, very busy lady. (laughs) And on this episode, we're going to talk a lot about work-life balance and how to manage people in your life who maybe aren't as supportive of the fact that you're working really hard at the moment and how as a young artist in a big city, you can avoid the comparison trap. Also, Keep your ears out, baby, because St. Jack and Ferreira have joined forces to celebrate this episode to bring you an epic giveaway, and I will drop the details for how you can enter that later on in the show. But for now, that's enough from me. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Adele Petropolis. Adele, welcome to Behind the Brush. Thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure to talk to you. You're a fellow Melbourne makeup artist just like me. I am a huge fan of your work. I actually started following you, I want to say, in 2020 when you started uploading the face charts.
1: Yes, the, the famous face charts.
0: The famous face charts. We will get into the face charts, but, guys, I will leave Adele's handle in the show notes, so you got to go check them out. They are legit mesmerizing. It's the kind of thing I would watch on YouTube and fall asleep to in the best way. <laughs> oh,
1: that's so nice. That means so much. She really started those face charts, like, as a creative thing in lockdown like I never had done them before so Um, You could see like the very first one I posted wasn't that great and I just progressively got a little bit better.
0: Oh, my God, they're so good. You know what's so funny? Because I know that you started doing it in lockdown um, and I was looking at it and I was like, oh, shit, I'm sick of doing makeup on my own face. I'm going to buy face charts. You literally inspired me to buy face charts. I can see them right now in front of me. (laughs) Never touched it because I was like, damn, it's never going to look that good.
1: (laughs) You just got to give it a crack. I think um, I did watch a lot of, there were a lot of YouTube posts two videos going on in the background, there's a little pausing and starting and trying to get the nose angle correct. So, Oh man,
0: yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I've got it in me. We'll see if we ever, God forbid, end up in another lockdown, maybe I'll whip them out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give it a crack and send them through. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, let's get stuck right in because we've got so much to talk about. And the first thing I want to know, as per usual, is what did you want to be when
1: you grew up? Okay, so this one I feel like chops and changes as you progressively okay. get older and you mm-hmm. just realize how um, ridiculous your dream ideal job was. But I think I first started wanting to be a member of the Saddle Club, like, fully was invested in the show, wanted a horse, wanted to learn how to ride a horse. Like, to this day, I still don't know how to ride a horse and I've never been on a horse, but I 100% was invested. I want one of their cool hats um oh my god the saddle club was my dream it was my ultimate dream and then afterwards you know you progressively get older and you realize hang on a second you actually live in the birds, not on a farm base (laughs) um so yeah I think then it progressed to like I want to be an actor I want to be a painter I want to be a singer and I did I did sing for a little while actually when I was younger but um yeah I just chopped and changed I feel like the Hasn't really changed with myself <laughs> at this age too. Like every day, I wake up and I'm like, I want to do this and I want to do that.
0: So I got to tell you, that is my favorite answer so far. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How often do you get the like, pops, Hello World? This is me. <laughs> yeah, legit. <laughs>
0: uh, that is amazing. So, when did you first start getting into makeup? Then
1: I think it was. Towards the end of high school, to be honest, like I think at full pace, and it probably was at the start where those YouTubers were really booming um, during high school. I was really into watching a lot of the YouTubers and how they applied makeup, but I also loved doing it on myself. Like mm. I would just spend hours in the bathroom, um, you know, with my little poor makeup collection <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back for in the sure. day from like a chemist's
0: warehouse. Um, Hi. Started from the bottom, now we're here. So you were in high school in 2000, you finished in 2013, right? Yeah,
1: so I graduated 2013. So it was sort of around the 2000, probably 2010, 11 mark I got into it.
0: That's so funny because I feel like 2013 was almost like pre-YouTube boom. So you're like an early adopter because I'm thinking like Manny MUA lauren curtis in australia the chloe morellos like who were you watching
1: well back at back then i actually wasn't watching anyone from australia which was really odd um Mm. i was really into the american youtubers um i loved desi desi Perkins was just like the oh my god and she was like i just watched everything that she did um and it was really cool to see her progression but like, on top of YouTube being sort of like that background motion, um, I guess, online tool that was constantly growing and getting popular, at the same time, like, during school, I was really into my theatre. So we would have, you know, backstage theatre makeup artists that would come in and help us with our shows. And I was really intrigued on that aspect of it and then mm. really get invested in, like, my costumes and my makeup for that. So I feel like it was like a small, like a fizzling Sort of like a fizzling dream that was just starting to like boil and bubble. But I didn't, at the time, I didn't really know it was an option as a career for myself. So as a a girl who, you know, I went to a private school, it was drummed into us that, you know, you finish school, you go to uni and that's sort of the pathway. You choose something respectable, whatever that means, um, as a career path. Um, And there was really no other option. And during uh, during high school, I was honestly quite lost because I would persevere and try in every subject that I could and do the best that I could. And I ended up doing really well at school and really well at uni as well. But I was a bit of an all-rounder in the fact because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I had to be as good as I could in everything to leave all the doors open. But it actually didn't vote in my favor.
0: So similar. So after you finished school, you graduated in 2013 you're just a young little baby. No, <laughs> you're 2013.
1: <laughs> <a little> <laughs> I'm just a baby. Back then we graduated and we were like, yes, I am an adult now. You oh, were 100%. Like, a hundred percent.
0: yeah hundred percent. I thought I was ready for everything, how wrong I was. <laughs> so the following year, you started freelancing almost immediately while also going to uni. Tell me a bit about that period, and I suppose how you got into freelancing straight out of high school, because I certainly know I wouldn't have had the confidence to do that.
1: Yeah, well, um, a lot of my friends from high school knew that I did makeup and I did hair really well. Like at lunch times, I would I would braid everyone's hair. And it was just like the thing that people came to me to do and I was like so happy to do it. It like gave me so much enjoyment. So when people wanted to go to events or uni balls or formals or things like that, um, those events that we were sort of in the thick of, um, they would sort of call me up and be like Adele, do you mind if you do my makeup and my hair for this event? And I'd be like yeah no worries and I think at the time they were like, oh, we'll pay you. And I'm like, bring your own lashes, bring your own whiffy, Um, I'll charge you like $40 or whatever it was. And I was doing um, people's makeup that I progressively learned, you know, throughout the years of just having a brush in my hand and just testing it out as I went. I just learned as I go, really. So that's sort of where it began during uni. And it was part of my life that I really, really loved because uni was so academic and um, during high school I was in theatre, I did studio art, I went into uni and it was just academic
0: Mm -hmm. and I
1: didn't realise at the time, I'm sure like every student doesn't realise the opportunity we had in the co-curricular space, um, it was all literally in the palm of our hands. So we could go to the studio art office and um, grab a room and grab a canvas and start painting if we wanted to whereas now it's a little bit more difficult you really have to be invested in it fully mm. um, and it's still something that's very prominent in you know my day-to-day I, I pick up a paintbrush I buy a canvas and just for myself I'll I'll paint away but it was very it was very prominent in in uni that that didn't exist anymore. And I felt like it was like a gaping hole in my heart, Um, you know, and in my life as well, it was just something that was lacking or missing. So to be able to have some sort of creative aspect in my life, I thoroughly enjoyed.
0: For sure. So what were you studying at uni that felt so academic?
1: Yeah, so I went into uni doing lit, and I wanted to complete a batch of literature I am a massive bookworm. Uh, and I love, love lit. And then I went in doing criminology as a broad subject as well, just as a side thing to sort of pick up some extra points um, for my bachelor's degree, ended up loving that and turned it into a double of criminology and literature. So very, very different mm. from what I'm doing um, at the moment. But yeah, at the time, I still loved it. I still really, really was engaged in my learning. Um, but that is what I, what I did at uni, just with no creative outlet, I guess.
0: Yeah. So I guess throughout that time, you're kind of studying, you're working really hard and kind of getting the impression you're a bit of a nerd, just like me. Like you focus (laughs) when you need to, to get your work done. You're doing all of this kind of side hustle type freelancing, really, where Mm. it's like, you're not fully committed, but you know that you need it in a ways. So tell me more about when you finish your uni degree. So you started studying makeup and I'm curious, did you feel any tension between those two parts of your brain where it was like, I love makeup. I've just finished this degree. Should I go in a direction that's potentially more stable?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So, you know, I had all of my friends that were finishing their degrees, whether it was in the art field or in law or um, whatever it was, in engineering. Um, and they were nearly coming to the end of their degree and fully lined up talking about how they're going to go to this company to get some work experience and how they've booked in for a summer internship here. And for me, I was kind of just sitting back being like, I know in the back of my brain that that's the correct pathway. Mm. However, I just didn't want to do it. Like I really didn't want to do it. I never actually admit that to anyone because um, I was too embarrassed at the fact that what I'd done and what I completed in uni, I actually got to the end of it and I was like, "Well, it was great and I loved learning, but I don't want to intern. I don't. I don't want to go into that work environment where it's an office job, nine to five. Like that is not me. I have ants in my pants, so I'm constantly <laughs> up and about." Um, And then I think doing the actual certificate in makeup was a real push for me. Like I was always really hesitant and I'd spoken about doing it for a while, but I was kind of like, obviously, I'm going to be investing my money into this. I had to save up to do this course, a lot of shifts at the local cafe that I was doing to be able to get there. Um, But I think the thing I was most worried about was what everyone would say about it. So here's Aww. your traditional private school girl that's gone to uni and now she's like throwing it all away to become a makeup artist. And it was that, I think, stigma at the time um, that I was most concerned about. But I took a leap of faith, I did my certificate and I breathed through it. I obviously, you know, being a first learner you learn about things in makeup that you might, might not have picked up before on YouTube or anything like that. Cause there's only so much you can get off YouTube. And as an educator now, I do know that and I understand that, but took a leap of faith, did that. And then I was fully invested in it. And I was like, this is, this is 110% what I want to do day to day. And then there was the constant worry of like trying to build that up as a career. So it was very scary at the time. Yeah.
0: Very, very I scary. mean, I absolutely relate to that. I feel like I have had my first life and I'm in my second life. And my first life was I also did a degree in criminology. I worked in that kind of nine to five office environment for seven or eight years. And then to kind of give it all up or be like, okay, well, I'm going to go in the completely opposite direction after you've invested so much time in your education in another Mm. field or your career in another field it's fucking scary. (laughs) So I completely relate to that. And it's so funny because so many times, I remember a job that I had in 2018, there were so many times where I was like, should I invest like however much it was at the time to go do assert something or other um, in makeup and I'll do it after hours and maybe I should do this. And it's funny because I came to the decision that for me, it, it wasn't right for me. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious because I've had lots of people on the show come on and we all seem to have differing opinions on the idea of formal study and makeup. I've had people who are completely self-taught. I've had people who've gone through the whole certificate system. (laughs) So tell me exactly what it was that you studied and more importantly, why you felt like that was a great option for you.
1: Yeah, so I think I started the certificate was like certificate three in makeup or something. And I did it on Chapel Street. I did it at the long, alongside uni at the same time in my final year. So I was doing uni and doing the certificate. I think it was like one or two days a week. I can't remember what it was. And you had all this homework and stuff like that. It's I think after the certificate, like straight after the certificate, looking back, I was like, oh, the certificate didn't teach me anything. But then coming years down the track and that being the pinnacle point where I really turned over or took that leap of faith into the industry, I think that formal setting, class setting is what I needed because it was what I was used to. And it's not to say to get into the industry, you need to do a certificate or you don't need to do a certificate. I think I was used to in-class learning I'd grown up that way. I wanted a theory book. I wanted to watch a demonstration and then be able to do a prac and get assessed on it and to get some of that feedback that you might not necessarily get in other environments. So I think for me, just to get that certificate and tick of approval that, hey, you can do the basics, for me it was right. However, a lot of the learning was in field.
0: That's a very common thing that I hear that people, you know, They'll say you can't beat experience that you get while you're actually working. But I mean, if that's your learning style, it might have been exactly what you needed for the confidence to get started, particularly if you'd already invested so much in, you know, your education in a completely different field. So you finished studying in 2017. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So 2017, I got the ticket of approval. Um, you're
0: ready to go <laughs> yeah I
1: got that little certificate that said hey babe you're good enough <laughs> <laughs> so we went from there yeah and then I guess from there I at the time I still didn't know whether I wanted to do it full-time so in my head I'm thinking okay so I can do this on the weekend and earn a little bit of cash on the weekends and then during the week whenever I work out what I'm doing with my uni degree I work that out down the track mm. but for now um, I'll apply for some casual roles in the industry.
0: All right. So how did that go?
1: Yeah, it went, it went really well. Um, At the time, I applied everywhere. So anywhere that you can imagine that would take me or was taking applications, I applied. I think within a week and a half, I got a response back from Napoleon. Um, and also, I think two weeks in, I got an interview with Mac and an interview with Inglot at the time too. And just because Napoleon was first off the bat, I went to those, interviews and that was probably the scariest thing I've done
0: I was just gonna say I've never interviewed for a beauty conglomerate like ever I I haven't worked in beauty retail or anything like that so whenever I hear stories about the interviews and then doing like the practical like test or whatever they do as part of the interview it scares the shit out of me (laughs)
1: yeah I think just because like I hadn't really dealt with that many brands yet I had some Napoleon product at home, but I didn't know the full line. And going into an interview in a setting where the practical was kind of like, we're giving you 45 minutes to complete a makeover. I think at the time the brief was, you have a bride in front of you that wants a really soft glam eye and a super red lip because I wanted to see if you could complete all aspects of the makeup. Um, she wants a natural brow and I think a lash on top as well. And going into that now, I'd be like, okay, Like I know what to do because I've got years of experience behind me. However, at the time, you know, I didn't know the ins and outs of skincare. I didn't know the ins and outs of foundation matching with their particular line. And they had such a large range, such a large base range at the time that, you know, you pick up a product and you're like, oh, Um, China doll like what is China doll is it a cream contour is it a foundation obviously it looked more like a foundation so it was like a guessing game like you were just picking Mm. up products just hoping for the best (laughs) Um, and yeah you had 45 minutes uh, to complete that particular makeover and it was very daunting very stressful at the time I think if I was to go into an industry where um, or an interview sorry where you know I didn't know the whole line of makeup and it didn't write it on the particular packaging for instance i think to this day you'd still be like oh a crap like i've got to get my i could get my shit together yeah i can
0: absolutely imagine thank (laughs) god it's over baby but you got the job which we love to hear and you worked there for about four years is that right
1: yeah. So worked at Napoleon for a little while. I started as just a casual on the floor. And, um, I started at the Chapel Street store, which at the time was the head office store. Started as a, as a casual, you know, with 20 hours a week or whatever it was, 15, 20 hours a week. And I would schedule that in at the same time that I was doing uni in between. Yeah. It was an interesting time, interesting time to be alive, I guess. <laughs>
0: And <laughs> 2020 hadn't even happened
1: yet. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but it can be
0: really tough. I think that's a really good point that you raise. It can be really tough when you're trying to make your way between different phases of your life, between formal education and kind of having that part-time job at a cafe or wherever else to kind of keep you afloat. And then you've got 20 hours, you know, in a job that you love, but it's not really enough to keep you afloat. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, what do I do? Do I give up the cafe? Like, how do I make this work? It, It is a tricky time. And I think it's a scary age. You are no longer being told what to do hopefully yeah. uh your high school certainly isn't telling you what to do uni doesn't tell you anything uh in terms of where you should take you know your career and your life and stuff like that so yeah yeah i can relate to that 100 percent, and i'm sure a lot of people who are listening can as well i think um, at the
1: time as well you don't really want to be told what to do either like your parents will give you advice, like mom dad like i'm an adult like stop telling me what to do like i'm in my 20s now like i know i know what i'm doing and at the time like you're thinking shit like i have No idea. It is so true. Nobody
0: needs to have their shit together at that age. But you ended up, I suppose, leaving the cafe in the end because you ended up working for Napoleon for quite some time. So I'm curious to know what was it like working for one company for a while?
1: Yeah, it was good. I mean, a lot of opportunities were presented to me, which was fantastic. I don't know if it was the sweet spot of the time that I was in where. Maybe when I started, it was just a transition of people leaving. Um, When I was a casual worker, I also interned in the Napoleon Pettis Academy to be an assistant teacher. So I made it very clear onwards that I wanted to progress. I made it very clear that I wanted to be in the academy. For me, I knew that the natural progression of things was, being a casual, being second in charge, being a manager, and then getting to that artistry phase um, where you were working in the academy. Um, so what does
0: that mean? Sorry, because I, I know it was a while ago and it almost doesn't matter. But what does it mean to work in the academy?
1: So there Like a as a teacher aspects. of new people? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So. In Napoleon, there were sort of two ways that you could go. And it was, I must admit, Melbourne, it was very limited because our head office was in Sydney. So there weren't any head office positions available in in Melbourne. So it was either you go in the route of being a manager and being an area manager, and that's like the cream of the crop, the top that you can go, or you go through management and then um, progress to be able to work in the academy that we had in Victoria. So for me... I knew that I didn't want to manage for the rest of my life. It just wasn't for me. I loved when I did get presented with managing a team, like a store team. I loved that environment, but it just wasn't a full-time job for myself. So I made it very clear from onwards that I wanted to be in the academy and head office sort of said, well, okay, well, how about you do a couple of hours a week being an assistant teacher in the class to sort of learn what it's like, you know, be alongside, at the time I was alongside Shev and Tani and they were great teachers. And it was a, a beautiful way to see what it was like to actually physically teach a class and teach a lot of newbies because. It's a very different environment, obviously, from sitting in the class to be able to communicate and teach a class. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was an entire different skill set that you had to learn. And head office could kind of see that in the one-on-one teaching lessons that I would do on the floor in the store. So if you wanted to come in and learn how to do your makeup, you would book in a one-on-one with me. Um, They were where my best sales were because I wasn't into selling anyone anything they didn't need. I would tell them all the time, like, visualize your bathroom cupboards and you need to tell me what you have and what you don't have when we go through the product. Because if you have an eye cream, you're not taking an eye cream home today. There is no point. I want you to use what's in your cupboard. If you don't have a foundation, that's something that we need to introduce into your line. And I guess that's where like my biggest sales were and they could see that teaching was a real strength for me. So being able to progress in the academy space was really cool. And I did that roughly within six months, which is very fast. That's so fast.
0: Very, it's very funny. Fast. It's funny how you can be drawn to something so quickly because being a student in a formal makeup studying capacity doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have what it takes to be a teacher. But obviously, exactly. if you could demonstrate that with clients, um, you would have, skills in that for people who are going through the academy themselves or wanting to learn themselves. And you've ended up in another education role, which we will talk about as well. I think it's so interesting. So I went deep through your Instagram really <laughs> and an
1: Insta stalk.
0: Oh, I went, I hit the bottom. I always hit the bottom. It really freaks people out. Like when I had Penny on the show, like a few weeks ago, she was like, you hit the bottom. I'm like, oh yeah, I saw all the family snaps. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I went all the way back to the beginning and I saw exactly what you were talking about, the high school musical situation with, you know, Chicago and doing the makeup and all that. And what I was seeing was while you were working at Napoleon, you were doing heaps of bridal, you were doing heaps of events, you were working behind the scenes at Fashion Week, you know, you were doing shoots. I host this show and I talk to every I talk to artists every day through St. Jack, right? And so I am really finding that artists have to kind of work through different opportunities to find their sweet spot. Was there a moment that stands out to you where education became
1: your primary path? That yeah, definitely, <laughs> because on the on the side, when obviously you're trying to get your greedy little hands on everything that you could possibly imagine, um, you sort of pick up what you like and what you don't like about certain things. To this day, I still love doing editorial, but it's very limited in my caliber in regards to, I would do it every single day if I could, but I just don't have the time. That's the only reason, but I love editorial. I love being able to do, you know, very clean, but quirky makeups that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do on a client. At the time though, I found that the education aspect is what I love the most because I was able to give tools that I wanted to learn as a makeup artist to someone else. And my little sentence that I tell everyone in the classes is that if you walk away from this class learning one thing, I am happy. If you walk away from this class understanding one concept, I am happy because I have done my job. If you walk away from the class and you don't know what you've learned and you're not able to take that into your career, then I haven't done my job as an educator. My job as an educator isn't to withhold all the secret information I know as a makeup artist in the industry, it's actually to give it out because Mm. that's my favorite thing to do. I want to tell you guys what works, what doesn't work um, in the industry, you know, with your tools, with your products, um, to be able to give you that advice to run in the industry and, and, you know, see you side by side in the next shoot that we do together. Like that brings me so much joy. And I think that in this day and age, there's a lot of competition, but, I prefer just to support everyone um, because the more you support, the better the industry is. I couldn't
0: agree more. And it's funny because I was actually going to ask you about this later on in the chat, but I'm going to ask you now because it's a perfect segue. (laughs) (laughs) But we are similar ages. You're a couple of years younger than me. Uh, We're both Melbourne makeup artists. And something that I just know by existing in this industry is that there are so many of us and every day there's probably someone new and I had to really I suppose if I'm being honest adjust my mindset about things to not be competitive and like not compare and all that sort of thing and I'm curious to get your take on that and if you ever struggle with the comparison trap and what advice you might give to somebody who is feeling like their market is saturated.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I feel like if you are this, I feel like this answer comes with a bit of self-reflection. If you are one to compare and you are one to, for instance, go through your Instagram or go through your TikTok and um, instead of looking at whatever artists work and being like, oh my God, that's amazing. How did she do that? And you're saying, oh my God, my work is so crap compared to this. I think then is a the time to really step away, mute those accounts and just do you. I think that is a really important aspect to really take away as an artist, if you are triggered by that. And if you do fall into that comparison trap, because I've, I've certainly set myself when I was younger and studying in the industry, I was like, Oh my God, I'm never going to be like that. Um, you know, I'm never going to be able to achieve that. And then I really had to step back and say, hang on, like, What am I doing right now and how can I improve my skill set right now in the present? Is it that I need more clients to practice on? Do I need to bring my friends and family in once a week to practice on them? How do I really elevate my skill set? Do I need to get my hands on new products and new textures and new tools? I feel like really being able to step away and mute those social media aspects of the industry for a little while until you regain your confidence. And then be able to relook at those avenues and be like, okay, come in with it um, in a new light. I think it's really, really important. Um, for me, I I don't really compare myself to anyone. Otherwise, I'm I'm more inspired about what they do. So I'll see someone's work and I'll be like, oh my god, shit, that's so cool. How the heck did they do that? Like, I want to know. I want to I want to send this person a DM. Hey babes, how did you achieve that gloss on the eye? Mm-hmm. Or how did that um, where did you get your certain, you know, crystals from? Because I know you the euphoria trend is really, really in at the moment. Like, where did you find your tools? And I I'll be, I'll DM the artist. Like, I don't care if I don't get a response, I don't get a response. It's all cool. You know, I'll tell all my students, because I still teach to this day. Um, I do set classes on the weekend as well. So I'll tell all my students, you need to follow this person and this person and this person everyone grab out your phone before we even start class this is who you're following I want you to gain inspiration from the people that I gain inspiration from mm-hmm. and I tell them all the time I am one makeup artist your trainer next week might do something in the same step or the same technical step in an entirely different way my job isn't to tell you that this is the right way my job is to tell you that this is a way to do yes. it and next week you'll experience another way and there's no right and wrong with makeup there's just trying things in different ways and I feel like that's the experience you get when you assist when you observe that's the experience that you get you know maybe someone applies lashes in a different way or snips their lash in you know six individual pieces um, and sticks a strip lash on that way you just they're just different ways of trying things out
0: so I, you just mentioned that you do cert still on the weekend. I'm really curious mm-hmm. to actually ask you about, you know, what you're doing at the moment, which kind of leads me into talking about your role with Ferreo. So yeah. it was towards the end of last year in 2021 that you moved on from Napoleon and yeah. you took a role with Ferreo. So tell me about what that role is, first of all, and then we'll chat more about it.
1: Yeah, so I am the head of education for Oceana. So I look after every single aspect of education for Australia and New Zealand for Foreo. Um, Foreo is a beauty tech device company um, and they specialize in... Uh, at salon treatments at home Um, home salon treatments I didn't really explain that well but um, being able to take a salon treatment put it in the palm of your hand come home be able to treat yourself at home with these beauty tech devices but the transition really came about um, as I'm sure a lot of people would experience transitions during lockdown so Mm -hmm. we went through our um, most awesome couple of years
0: um, yeah, just to, to remind everyone, I have already said it, but Adele, like me, is in Melbourne and we were the most locked down city in the world. Yeah. So it's very triggering, um, but it also <laughs> was a time for growth and change. Exactly. Um, so, yes, just to kind of preface that again.
1: <laughs> Constantly just triggers the eye twitch, but that's oh, yeah. <laughs> we move on. <laughs> um, so really in lockdown, it was all about like, how am I sitting in my career at the moment? It was a real time for reflection. Um, Is it real time to, um, you know, am I happy doing what I'm doing? Do I want to experience a little bit more challenge? And um, I think I was at the point where I really reached the pinnacle of what I could achieve in Melbourne at Napoleon. And I think I just wanted a little bit more of a challenge. I wanted to enter a space that I love and adored, which was skincare. I'm really, really into my skincare as much as I'm into makeup. I love skin and I think it is the base for everything in makeup Um, so I saw this opportunity pop up at Foreo and I was lucky enough to get an interview with um, you know the beautiful company and sort of transitioned into that that space today so that's Mm -hmm. sort of where I'm where I'm sitting at the moment so yeah
0: yeah. which is Awesome. I'm interested because you studied makeup, your passion's makeup. You obviously love skincare, kind of we all do. We as makeup artists know that skincare is so important for, you know, getting a great base on, etc., etc. But Ferreo isn't a makeup company. It's kind of a beauty device skincare company. So how did you see that kind of making sense as the next progression?
1: Yeah, so I think that it was really interesting to research about this company because a lot of their devices enhance your skincare Mm. you know they've won over 200 awards like beauty awards worldwide which is absolutely phenomenal and the the devices using the devices myself I fully understand what the concept is like yeah we love our Luna well I was just about to say the Luna (laughs) is literally sitting in my shower right like right now I use it daily yeah Um, it, it has really transitioned um, my skin's ability to absorb a lot of my skincare. Like, bitch, skincare is expensive, all right? <laughs> if I'm using a $200 serum, I want that shit to work. Like, and how do I get it to work as effectively as possible? I can use my devices so I stimulate my skin to be able to absorb that skincare to a lower level of the skin, be able to retain moisture blood flow, lymphatic drainage, all of that good stuff that's happening. These devices really enhance your skin's ability to do that. And it really cleans, like the Luna for example, I'm um, really cleans to a lower level as well. So I'm a massive germaphone. I really want my skin to be as clean as possible. And like my partner hates me because I was grab his face, like, come here and I, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just like as makeup artists, we're so into our tools. And mm. just being able to have a tool for skincare, I think just intrigued, the piqued my intrigue so much because I was like, oh, there's something out there for us. So yeah.
0: yeah. So what do you
1: do then? Like, what does the job look like? Yeah, so it's a lot different to Napoleon because Napoleon was very one-on-one. It was very like you're in an academy or you're teaching staff or you're teaching head office staff or, you know, you're teaching your clients. For Rayo, it's more... You know, I've got my finger in every pie in the company. So a lot of social media at the moment, like TikTok, Spoon, we're trying to like get that up and running, which is really cool. So we're doing a lot of TikTok. I'm, you know, educating our stockers who are, you know, larger stockers than Napoleon would have, for instance, at the largest space, like Mecca and Sephora, DJs, Maya, sort of our on-floor stockers. You know, how do I then create digital learning to be able to communicate that onto their platforms and them to be able to learn? Because those large stockists might not necessarily want face-to-face learning. You know, we've gone through that progression of COVID where companies have really elevated their digital learning platforms, developing that and popping that onto an avenue for them to learn in that manner. Um, You know, creating short videos. I do a lot of blog pieces, which is why I'm so happy in this company that aspects of my literature degree have been able to fall into this role. Very good. Like I'm finally using it. Like, (laughs) thank the Lord. So, being able to write lots of blogs, and I do that um for a lot of different companies, or whether it's for our blog, um for instance. So, always I'm always happy to write up a blog piece on everything skin, so not just necessarily just the devices, but skincare in general.
0: Interrupting this episode to let you know that I have spoken with the beautiful people over at Foreo and they have joined forces with Saint Jack to put together an epic giveaway for you guys. You can go the running to win such a cool prize pack it's got the foreo luna mini the saint jack makeup cleaning mist the makeup bag and an on-point bucket hat because why not to enter you just need to head to the saint jack instagram that's at by saint jack or by saint jack and check out the posts on the feed but for now let's get back to the show and you somehow also managed to still do makeup
1: yes so this is like (laughs) i know i know i'm a busy gal I wasn't prepared to remove myself from the makeup space. I think yeah. that is something entirely that, you know, when I did leave Napoleon, um, you know, I'm still working for them on the weekends to be able to run their classes, which is fantastic. I still have, you know, my clients that I need to sustain as well.
0: So hang on, let me get this straight. You're yeah. still working
1: for Napoleon
0: at their academy on the weekends and that's yeah, part of your so education. Yeah, I'm working so-
1: as a freelancer born a million photos so I run their I still run their certificates on the weekends, so I'm still able to be able to educate in that space I also have my bridal clients that I do and my my regular clients that come to me on the weekends as well so I sort of chop and change and I think at times it can get very overwhelming especially in bridal season which seems to be the whole year this year because everyone's playing catch up from COVID
0: Yeah. It's very, it's very intense. You actually have so much going on at the moment. And this is something that I am being very open with everyone about at the moment on my Instagram and stuff like that. It's, I'm struggling with the balancing act of everything, right? Like I've got the brand, I've got the podcast, I've got makeup clients, I've got other shit going on. It's like, sometimes I feel like a beautiful swan above water. but If you see me underneath, I'm like flapping my feet and I'm going insane. So I'm just so... Interested to know, like, how do you balance everything? Like, how do you stay sane? Because it it's a big responsibility to work with a big brand like that. And, you know, not just creating content here and there, but actually being a part of that team while also managing a freelance career and doing education. How do you? How do you do that?
1: It, it is a really good question. I think you have to pick and choose your battles. I think it comes at a point where. If I am feeling really overwhelmed in that moment, in that space, I really have to take a step back and be like, take a deep breath and just state, okay, Adele, what is priority today? What do I need to get done today? What is important today? And just tick it off day by day. I think being organized is probably the biggest little pointer, making sure your calendar is up to date, making sure you know what's happening the next day as well. Being young, being in the industry, wanting to really aspire and climb and progress in the industry, there are certain things that I have to say no to, you know. Um, I can't commit to seeing my friends every single week. I just can't. What is priority for me personally? If I'm going to, you know, catch up with anyone on a weekly basis, it's going to be my immediate family because family means so, so much to me. And then if I can fit in a walk and, you know, my friends, I love them. They're so understanding. We'll message each other and they'll be like, hey, doll, let's go at 6 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. We'll go for a walk, get a coffee before work. Like they work out ways to fit it in and they are very understanding.
0: I love this. And it's something I've actually been talking to my friends about recently. Have you ever encountered a friend who wasn't supportive of you having to make these sorts of sacrifices and saying, essentially, well, you need to be available for all of these times to do all of these things?
1: I I haven't. I made it a rule from very early on. Um, and It wasn't to spite anyone in any regard, Um, to make that very clear. It was just, I was so busy at the time. Is this person or is this friendship fulfilling my needs? Is it really satisfying where I want to go in life? Is this someone that I can see in my life for the next 30 odd years? If the answer is no, then it's something that you really need to consider. Okay, so where is my time going? Because our Mm. time is so rare, so important, and it's not just say that you don't want to hang out with them in a social setting. If they're there, it's like, hey, how are you going? What's new? Like, I'm always open to hearing about everyone's life. Like, it makes me so happy. I'm actually a really sociable person. Like, I love getting out there and talking to everyone, but I just don't have the time for it, right? So I've been fortunate enough in, like, my young age to actually be able to surround myself with people that also are quite busy and also are really understanding of everyone's situation. We're at a time in our career, um, you mentioned earlier, that you're turning 30. It's just so exciting. Oi, um, oi, hang on. on. I- is it July 18th? Oi. We've got a big birthday <laughs> coming on. Um, so I think that it's, you know, I'm 27, so we're progressing in our age and it's a time to really surround ourselves with people that are like-minded. Um, And we're at an age where it's the time to progress our career. We don't have, or I don't at the moment have any kids or a family. Like it's me and my partner and we're both on the same page in regards to now is the time to do everything that we can to push our careers as far as they can possibly go. I have
0: been thinking recently, I've heard it before and I can't remember where I heard it, but whatever, I have the least responsibilities today that I will ever have in my life. I too don't have any kids. At this stage of my life, I don't have a mortgage. And a lot of these things is because, you know, I'm working so hard on this stuff and that's great. And it's like, so every day I have to take, you know, every opportunity as it comes. It sounds like you're very like-minded like that. Um, And that's, you know, a decision that everyone has to make for themselves. Not everyone has to have this kind of like hustle a hustle function within them but I think within this industry there is a time when you're around our age that it is about saying yes and doing what you can and making the sacrifices that you need to to get the work done.
1: 100% and I think that like some things that you say no to you don't want to say no to Mm. like there are times that are like hey I'm getting married I really want you to be at my two o'clock wedding and it's like I've actually got a bridal party that day that I that I've committed to um unfortunately you know it's about compromise I won't be able to make the ceremony I'll come to the reception and you'll roll into that reception looking fab feeling dead but <laughs> you will make an appearance because it's, oh my God. it's true though like when you're doing five o'clock wake-ups and you're, you're working throughout the day you hit a point it's like around five o'clock in the afternoon you're like mm. I need I need to sleep But you make an appearance because it's not only important to them, but it's important to you that you're sustaining that friendship. And you know, it might be a case of compromising and being like, okay, well, I physically cannot stay until two o'clock in the morning. I'm Mm -hmm. gonna make a point of staying as long as possible, maybe leaving at 1:30, 12, going home, getting enough rest for the next day.
0: It is a balancing act and it's very real and it's very hard sometimes, but Our industry can be a little bit different because we spend a lot of time working when everyone else would, for example, be celebrating. Yeah. Uh, And that's something that has really become evident to me in the last few years is that we're always in demand at the most inopportune times according to our social calendars mm-hmm. and so I think that that does require a bit of um, balancing but compromise both on your part and the people that you surround yourself with I think it's important to make sure that the people you surround yourself with can be understanding and supportive of that more importantly
1: yeah 100 yeah
0: we're on the same page with that one. Love it. <laughs> so, I mean, you only recently decided this role with Ferrer and it sounds so exciting. Like I think a lot of us when it comes to working with brands, I think we think about it on, on a different level. You know, I can produce some content for them or I'm going to be on the PR list. I think that this is a really cool conversation to have because there are other opportunities out there you know for makeup artists to kind of progress into bigger you know roles but what do you think your focus will be for your own career on the whole in the next few years like where do you want to go
1: that's a really great question
0: <laughs> oh well thank God. you I'll <laughs> be here
1: all day now <laughs> that's cute, yeah um, No, that's a really good question. I think that for me in this space, I really at the moment, because it's so fresh, it's so new, I am loving it. I just want to do the best that I can possibly do. I think it's the first time that I've really been in an environment that everyone is doing such a great job and the culture is so amazing and the team is so phenomenal, makes you want to work harder. And it Mm. makes you want to progress alongside your colleagues. And because everyone is like super friendly in the office, like with Napoleon, I never had that office environment because it was in Sydney, right? So I've come into this environment where it is an office space and, you know, every day is different, but I think really cementing myself in this role at the moment is one of my goals. And I really just want to make it the best it can possibly be in regards to how is that education piece talking to the wider audience in every single aspect. And, you know, alongside that, really wanting to build my freelance career even more. So I do have my regular bridals. I do have, you know, those regular clients that come on um, a regular basis. But How do I then transition into moving away from some of the clients during the week and being able to really, maybe on a Friday, transition my clients into really being in an editorial space? Um, I think a very large goal for myself, even though we have spoken about balance and prioritization, those sort of things, but it's how I do really need to focus on balancing a little bit more and just having that work-life balance because for the past six weeks for instance, I've been working seven days a week and I'm going to be blatantly honest like I didn't do a good job this bridal season of balancing myself out and I am burnt out like Mm -hmm. I am I'm, I'm burnt and I think I had my first day off the Sunday that just passed and I literally you know I was out with my partner we were walking alongside the beach and I was like I feel like I'm on holiday and it's only from one day off, like it's important to have if it's a day off or half a day off that time to just recoup. And it might not be every week, but those are the two goals for myself in the moment. I really, I'm, I'm happy where I am at the moment. I'm really cementing my space. If you ask me, Adele, where do you want to be in 10 years? I would say, like I did when I was younger, I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going with the flow, seeing where this can take me and just really being in the present and doing the best I can with what I have now. And um, as we mentioned before, just taking every opportunity as it comes.
0: hundred percent. And you know what? I think that's a perfectly reasonable place to be. You've achieved a lot for 27. Like it's pretty insane actually. And so, you know what? I think it's a very refreshing goal to have to say, I've been working probably a little bit too hard. I've probably been saying yes a little bit too often. Like, what can I do to kind of ground myself back so that I can continue to grow, you know, in the roles that you do have, which is just phenomenal, to be honest. Yeah. But one more question before we wrap up, and it's always the largest of them all, because I'm going to give you the floor. With everything that you know now and all of the years' experience that you've had working for two major brands, working for yourself as a freelancer, doing editorial, bridal events, whatever it may be, what is one piece of advice you would offer to an aspiring artist at the very beginning of their journey who would say, where do I start?
1: Oh, okay. Mine's controversial Okay. because I know that the retail environment isn't for everyone. I get that. Um, And I understand that, like yourself, you might not have entered in the retail environment, but get your hands on as many faces as possible. And in my, because it was the pathway that I went through, being in that retail environment, the clientele was there. You had back-to-back makeovers at the very, very start of your career, which is very rare if you're a freelancer coming into the industry. And it was being hands-on in that environment that I learned the most. Really being able to get your hands on product, on faces, I think is the best word of advice because, yes, the certificate in makeup was amazing, but I learned the most on the floor. I learned the most in that environment that I was in. And then from there, I was able to progress and really, if anything, just gain confidence in that space and then progress onwards.
0: I think that that's a great piece of advice. I've heard that time and time again. Jack Kale said that on the first episode of this show. Priscilla Ono said that to me, you know, six years ago when I went and I did a couple days, you know, learning with her. It's very, it's a very common piece of advice, and I think that's the case for a reason. And I absolutely love it. I love you. You're such a vibe. I'm so impressed. By what you have achieved, and I can't wait to continue to see you grow with Threo and also in your freelance work. And please don't stop doing the face charts. <laughs> oh, yes,
1: I'm going to get back on them when I get a spare moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, when you find to manage a manager moment, I would love to see more of those. You guys have got to check it out. Adele, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely to chat to you.
0: An absolute pleasure. Thanks, Dar. Wowie what a lady hey I've been following Adele for a while I mean I said I reckon I came across her in 2020 but I did not know how much we had in common as people and I am genuinely very impressed by how hard she is working I really enjoyed this chat for lots of reasons I had a lot of fun but I think Adele gave us great insight into perhaps a less conventional or less typical pathway as a makeup artist. And I hope it opened your minds and inspired you to think about where you might want to take your career. So there were lots of cool little lessons in here, but here are my top two takeaways. Number one, you can build the career of your dreams in this industry and work in a way that makes sense to you as an individual. Adele loves educating and now she is doing exactly that with Ferreo while also freelancing on the side and still somehow manages to teach makeup in the middle there. Maybe having so much on your plate isn't for everyone. And some of you guys are aspiring to work in maybe just one lane. But for those of you who have lots of diverse goals or who are just enjoying being an artist in lots of different ways, I hope this episode showed you that you can go for it. And the key is always to be organized. Number two, make sure the people around you aren't holding you back. I've had friends in the past, I mean years ago when I was a little bit younger, who didn't want me to do makeup work because it didn't suit our social calendar. Don't do makeup work on this day because, you know, we should go to this gig or don't do makeup work on this day because the night before we're going to do X, Y, Z's birthday thing. Look, we can't be having that when we're trying to establish ourselves as artists and establish our careers. I certainly do not have any friends right now who would ever, you know, ask me to give that up. And I need that. I need that support. So I wonder, have you ever heard the quote, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with? Make sure the people around you understand your goals. They understand that perhaps you're career driven, even if they're not, and that's fine by the way, and that sometimes compromises need to be made. Now, please don't forget that you've got the chance to win an epic prize pack from Ferrero and St. Jack. To learn more about that, head to the St. Jack Instagram. That's at by St. Jack or at by St. Jack. You can also follow me in the meantime on my makeup artistry account at Beth Wilson underscore MUA on Instagram or at Beth in Beauty on TikTok. But until then, I'll see
1: you on the next one. Bye.